Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Yeah, and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry. And this is Stuff You Should Know. The uh, Karate edition. That's pretty good. I looked up a bunch of these pronunciations for once because... We get the random email still that's like, it's really lazy that you guys don't pronounce things right. Yeah. I had a guy the other day on uh, Facebook said that he's brand new to the show and it's a big turnoff for him. And I just said, you are in for a long, frustrating experience, yeah. my friend. Yeah. Because it's kind of a hallmark of the show that we botch pronunciations. Don't try. We botch pronunciations. <laughs> <laughs> that was good stuff, Chuck. Thanks. You uh, Do you know any karate? No, I never took any of that stuff. Did you? I took Taekwondo for a, a minute. Yeah. And then I was like, meh. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't do it after the Karate Kid movie. Mm-hmm. Because I was the age where I should have run right out to the nearest dojo right. and signed up. But um, I think I remember even back then thinking, I don't ever want to get hit in the face <laughs> if I can help it. Which is the same reason I've never been in a fist fight. I don't. I don't think they hit you in the face. I think, as a matter of fact, if if you do go to a dojo or a karate school, and they hit you in the face, you should tell somebody because I don't think they're supposed to do that. Well, yeah, you're right. I just didn't want to be hit at all. And once you see Karate Kid, all bets are off, you know. Because if you, you never know if there's a Cobra Kai next door. They don't play by the rules. No, they really don't. You know, they don't have sleeves to their gi. No. They uh, well, they're just bad kids. They sweep legs, they injured legs, all like, like eye bleedingly blonde. Yeah, um, yeah, they're bad guys. Did yeah. you watch, did you watch that recently? I watched some of it today. I did. I watched a little bit of it um, last week. It was on, and I have to say that there's no bigger disappointment in life. Well, of course there are, but <laughs> there are no. Th- more disappointing things in your cable TV watching life than when you're scrolling through and you see, oh, Karate Kid, and you uh-huh. turn it on and you see uh, Will Smith's son. Whoa. It's such a letdown. I can't imagine you know? that it was at all enjoyable. So I've been burned. No, I didn't watch any of it. I've been burned a lot lately with that. And so the other oh, day- Oh, it keeps kidding you? Yeah. The other day I saw Karate Kid and I was like, I'm not even going to try this time. <laughs> yeah. And I did. And I saw Ralph Macchio nice. and my heart just- Burst. That's the real Karate Kid. They should put on the uh, cable list Karate Kid, <laughs> real karate sucky kid. version. Yeah, <laughs> for the other one. I still say to that moment where um, Pat Morita has been training him with all the uh, uh, unknowingly training him with all the tasks he performs. Yeah, like wax on, wax off, sand floor, paint fence, paint house, jump on pier. When he finally has it, the big climax of that part, when he's like, "That's it, I'm out of here." And he tells them to show me all this stuff, and then he just starts in on them, and he blocks all the stuff. Uh-huh. I, I'm getting chill bumps just thinking about it <laughs> all these years later. You really are. Yeah. Wow. It's it's powerful. They do that zoom in, and he just goes, ha! Ah! And he just starts wailing on them, uh-huh. and he blocks it all. That's karate. And then they bow, and that just should have been the end of the movie. Oh, no. I watched the end of the movie today, and I was like, so good. this is still good. <laughs> like, the whole montage with the best around, you're the best around. Yeah. Uh, and then the, of course, crane kick at the end where he sends Billy Zabka yeah. sprawling. Yep. Great stuff. Yeah, and if you want to feel super old, last year Ralph Macchio turned the same age that Pat Morita was. 
when they shot Karate Kid. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. Because he was... He, Rob Macho was old when they made that movie. He was playing 16, but he was like 25. Oh, really? Yeah, he's much older. Wonderful actor, then. He had me fooled. He's great. I worked with Pat Morita once on a music video. He was awesome. <laughs> uh, which one? Uh, I can't remember, actually. It might have been... Uh, oh, I know. Uh, Alien Ant Farm. They, yep. were, they were a band. Okay. They weren't very good, but they had a video with Pat Morita in it, and he... Uh, Pat Morita drank white wine all day long. Yeah. In his trailer, he had like a couple of bottles of Chardonnay on ice. <laughs> That's awesome. That's my only story. Was he in the Karate Kid 3 with Hillary Swank? I didn't watch any of the sequels, actually. Hmm. The second one was pretty good. It had uh, that Peter Cetera song in it. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Good one. He, that, goes, that's he goes to Okinawa yeah, right. in that one. There's like the hurricane and the bad guy who turns out to be a good guy in the end. And he probably has a Japanese girlfriend in that one, right? He falls in love over there, yeah. Not Elizabeth Shue? No. Yeah. No. I don't I don't even know if she made an appearance in the second one. But anyway, Chuck, you realize we've just dedicated at least <laughs> eight minutes to talking about Karate Kid. Well, I mean, you can't not. Every other line in this article made me think of the Karate Kid movie. It's funny you point out this article because reading this article made me laugh for a different reason. Every time I saw martial arts expert mm-hmm. or karate master, mm-hmm. I thought of like Napoleon Dynamite. Scene. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get past that. So if you're, if you want a real treat, read this article and just think, read it in the voice of Napoleon Dynamite. It works really well. Uh, and just a bit of COA real quick with a lot of things like chess and things that people are really into. This is a very broad introduction to karate. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, we should even call it karate for non-practitioners. Karate for people who pronounce it karate. Right. Because this is going to be a, a nice overview and a nice introduction, but um, please do not think we are karate experts yeah. or masters because we are not. Let's begin. Yes. <laughs> so, Chuck, it yes. turns out, and, and you're pronouncing it correctly, Karate. It's actually two words in, in, I guess, Okinawan, because that's where it was originally invented, Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically the whole premise of, I, and forgive me everyone who's a purist, but karate, that's how I was brought up to say it. Yeah, we'll just say it like that. Yes. Um, the The whole purpose of it is to basically manipulate basic physics. To your advantage. So no matter how big or small you are, you could conceivably win a fight or thwart an attack. That's right. Um, and like I said, the whole, the whole thing began in Okinawa and most martial arts came out of India, Japan or China. Yeah. And, um, karate is, I, from what I could see, the second most widely practiced martial art to a- what? After Taekwondo. Oh, interesting. I, I, I saw it like in a couple of places, but it, it yeah. wasn't necessarily verified. And then um, that's really saying something because over the years, over the last few millennia, since people started practicing martial arts, um, there have been thousands of variations on the theme. Sure. And But karate is definitely its own thing. Yeah. And it arose out of this these periods of strife where the peasantry often had their weapons forcibly removed from them by the ruling classes so they couldn't rebel. And so the Okinawans said, you know what? Um, fine. We're going to teach ourselves to use our bodies as weapons and thus began the groundwork for karate. That's right. And there's uh, a father and son who are credited as the, uh, 
sort of the fathers of modern karate. Uh-huh. Um, the father was uh, Funakoshi Gichin. 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 Mm-hmm. And he wrote the original 20 guiding principles of karate. And uh, his son, uh, they developed the Shotokan style. And the son, his name, uh, G-I-G-O. What is that? Gijo? Gijo? Where do you see that? Well, that was his, uh, his, his full name is Funakoshi Yoshitaka, but I think he went by Gijo, uh, Funakoshi. It would probably be Gijo because his last name is Jichin, which I verified with my wife, by the way. Okay. And she knows. Right. Much more than me. So, uh, that's the father and son. The son started doing karate because he had tuberculosis and, you know, well, as we'll get into this, karate is very much about breathing. And so he did it to help with that. Oh, smart. Uh, which it did, but he did die of tuberculosis at 39. But, uh, they were the, the modern founders and dad was a little more aggressive than son. He was full contact. And the son came around and said, you know what? I believe in a more peaceful application of this. And, uh, this karate do or the karate way is more of a approach to life and, um, than just like a combat style. Right. He took it from like, being a like a kind of a lunkhead, like just like his old man, right? Just <laughs> beating people up, kind of thing. Sure. To you don't really have to actually hurt anybody. You don't even necessarily have to land a blow on another person to be a karate master. And that's what he came up with, like you said, the karate do. Um, and this is this is all fairly recent. I mean, we're talking like the early twentieth century. Yeah. Um, and the dad, uh, Funakoshi Jichin, he took it from Okinawa to Japan, but his son, um, Funakoshi Yoshitaka, what did you say his nickname was? Gijo? Sure. He, <laughs> uh, kind of introduced it to the world. Made it That's a lot right. more, like, to, to guys like you who are like, I don't want to get kicked in the face. Yeah. He said, no one's going to kick you in the face. Uh, let me teach you the karate way. And but, he did. But a way to really know you're not getting kicked in the face is to never take karate. Let's <laughs> just watch from the sidelines. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to be a student, and the students are called a, a karateka, <clears throat> um, or karateka, <laughs> if you're <laughs> from the American South. Right. And like you said, that's actually two words. Uh, in Japanese, it means uh, kata is open and te means hand. So uh-huh. it's means open hand in reference to your body as your weapon as and is the weapon and then openness. It's all about being open to the world around you and very observant um, for many reasons. But one reason is so you can be aware of when the, the street thugs are coming after you. Right. The oh, Yeah, you're open yeah. to your surroundings. And I didn't realize that they were, that they signified two separate things. I thought it was open hand, like, you know, like a slap thing. fighting or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. I knew it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of slapping in karate, but um, I, I thought open hand meant that you had no weapon in your hand, but oh, that makes that's sense. just what the hand meant. The right. open part was I'm f- aware of everything right now, and I'm open to changing possibilities and options, which is a huge fundamental part of karate. Yeah, your spirit is open as well. Yeah, this uh, this um, article gets kind of esoteric at the end. Yeah, it does, but I think that's part of it for a lot of people. So we'll we'll cover that. So, if you are a non-Cobra Kai member of a karate school, you're going to wear what's called a gi in white. It's the loose-fitting pants and the robe that's pulled together by a belt. It's not a black muscle shirt? I know. 
That's disappointing. Yeah, with a cobra on the back. Uh, that's right. And you are ranked by your Don, uh, D-A-N. And these are the rankings in ascending order, uh, from ninth to sixth Q. Uh, that's your skill level. Right. You're gonna be a novice. You're gonna just be a little white belt. Your, your belt is gonna match your gi. And you're gonna feel silly as a little white, uh, mess of a six-year-old. <laughs> that's probably when you're gonna do karate these days. Right. Uh, the fifth cue is you're gonna get that yellow belt. You're gonna feel a little bit better about yourself because you have color now. <laughs> then you're gonna get your orange belt at the fourth level. Yeah. You're gonna get your green belt at the third. Your blue belt at the second. The brown belt at the first. And then from first to mm. eighth dawn, you're gonna get that old black belt, which I always thought was the top level. Apparently there's a red one after that. Did not know that. Ninth and tenth dawn. And it even says in quotes, rarely awarded. Yeah. Um, but now that you mention it, the bad guy from Karate Kid, I believe, wore a red belt. Oh, uh, oh man, what was his name? Uh, I don't remember. He was from the 80 Pac-Man headroom. Yeah, uh, I was going to say Mr. Lawrence, but that was the kid because uh, he's the one that said, you have a problem, Mr. Lawrence. Oh, yeah. With sweeping the leg. Just Sensei. Yeah, sensei. Everybody knows him as Sensei. But, but I think he had a red belt. But boy, he got his comeuppance in the parking lot. He sure did. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, but the Q, actually, the K, the KYU, the different levels, um, that's not just used in karate. They use it in flower arranging, Ichibana. Oh, really? Ichibana. Um, and tea ceremonies and basically huh. any Japanese pursuit where there are masters and there are novices. Bonsai? Maybe? I didn't see that, but I wouldn't be all that surprised. Fly catching with chopsticks? <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> um, you go through cues. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah. That's pretty cool. They really take that stuff seriously. Like, it, it seems like, I don't know, I just appreciate the culture of like, if something's worth pursuing, it's worth pursuing like with all you got. Right, exactly. They don't do things halfway like we do here in the United States. Like, I'd stop at the green belt. Right, you'd be like, I'm, I'm yep. up to green. I'm doing good. I'm good. No, you, you, you. They definitely do pursue things all the way. Um, and there was another point that I went and clarified with your cue with going from like a white belt to a yellow belt to an orange belt. It, it doesn't necessarily mean like you are like a karate master mm-hmm. or even like a tea ceremony master. Yeah. What it means is, um, you are capable of performing certain um, acts that are expected to be performed by somebody of that level. Okay, because I wondered that, because <clears throat> I'll see on Facebook, like, a friend's, like, eight-year-old son is a black belt, and I'm like, really? Like, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that means that they can do, like, X kicks or something. It doesn't okay. necessarily have to do with talent, although I'm sure a lot of people dispute that. Sure. I think it's more like your technical proficiency is described by your belt. Okay. I think. All right. Oh, man, we're going to get murdered for that one. Yep. (laughs) I can already hear the keys, the hands on the keyboard. So we're going to talk about physics and probably a lot more about the Karate Kid right after this. So physics, buddy, if you're moving and doing anything in this office, it's going to be described in terms of physics because that's what we do here. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to karate or any fight, really, um, you've got potential energy going on and uh just because you're a big strong dude doesn't mean you're gonna necessarily win a fight against someone smaller and weaker because there are different ways of applying that energy 
karate. And karate exploits all that. It does. Or not exploits, but I guess... Uh, well, it teaches you to exploit it. Yeah. Because if you've got your energy and you've got somebody else's energy, if you can figure out a way to put them together, yeah. then you have just doubled or done whatever to your energy by adding theirs to yours. That's right. You create an advantage for yourself, and that's kind of the key to being a little guy like Ralph Macchio and still winning the tournament. <laughs> it's like a broken leg, even. That's right. Um, so the first stuff you want to focus on is learning to concentrate your energy. Yes. Um, I think f- manipulating your opponent's energy, which we'll talk about next, that seems to be like a possibly a more advanced step. Right. First, you start out on yourself. And um, there's a couple ways to do this. By concentrating your energy... We mean you're concentrating the force that you're delivering with a punch or a kick mm-hmm. to a, a very small surface area of your body. Yeah. Like if you come up and you shove me. Yeah. And you're like, you got something to say, huh? <laughs> and your hand is splayed. Uh-huh. Um, like you're going to push me backwards, but you're not going to break my rib. Right. Because the force of your shove is distributed across your palm, your fingers, yeah. your fingertips. Um you know, all the jewelry you wear, all of that is going to be spread across my chest. Yeah. If you took that same amount of force mm-hmm. and put all of your fingers and your thumb together and yeah. delivered it all, formed basically a point yeah. um, with your with your fingers and thumb, then all of a sudden you are going to break my ribs. You probably would punch right through my chest and out of my back. I would rip out your heart and uh, mm-hmm. like a uh, street fighter. Right. Um, yeah, and you can do that on your own body. If you take like your five fingers and just kind of pound them on your chest and then with the same amount of energy, put them all together, it's going to feel much different. Yes. It's a very simple concept. You're, you're diminishing the, the surface area of the point of impact and thereby increasing the amount of damage you can do to an opponent. Yeah, and in case of punches and kicks, you're, you're probably reducing that to a bony area of your hand or your foot. Yeah. And uh, a lot of training goes into strengthening those areas of your body, um, and that's your technique because, uh, you know, if I just went and flailed at someone and punched them, I would probably break my hand because yeah. I don't know how to do it. But uh, it's all about technique and, and karate, so um, you're, you're going to have those parts of your body ready to absorb that impact on your end as well. Yeah, and apparently up until not too terribly long ago um, – Karatekas, which are karate students again, mm-hmm. um, would in their training once they said, "Yeah, I think I'm going to get serious about this." Yeah, they would break their middle fingers right. of their own hands to enlarge their knuckle. Yeah, crazy. As it as it healed back, the the knuckle would just be larger, and so that little point of impact is strengthened yeah. and um, made just a little larger, so that they could really focus it in there. And hurt people. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and that, that they don't do that anymore, right? That's all out of practice, out of fashion. Yeah, prob- probably. Well, you never know. Um, did you see that article I sent you, The Science of Bruce Lee's One-Inch Punch? Yeah. That is a pretty good example of concentrating f- your energy over a small surface area. Yeah. And, and there's a video that goes along with it, too, that was it's pretty cool to watch. You know, he's he was famous for that, for being able to hold his hand one inch away from a board uh-huh. and then send that fist through the board without like reaching back and rearing back and he does it so quick and there's so much power it's it's just like it really comes through even in this old grainy black and white video like you have to rewind it 10 times just to be like man 
Did that just happen? Yeah. That quickly? Yeah. And the bride famously used it to punch her way out of a coffin when she was buried alive and kill Bill? Yeah, I'm calling total BS on that now, though. What, that she punched her way out? Yeah, because if you watch, and then I guess it's a good time to talk about this, uh, karate is all about putting as much um, impact with your whole body behind right. that puncher kick. So when you see someone kicking karate, it's uh, they're not just kicking at you like Danielson did at first. They're usually standing sideways mm-hmm. and winging their whole body around to get their whole the whole energy of their whole body into that kick or punch. Right. And that's what Bruce Lee does. You see him, he lunges forward super fast with his body and just puts all that energy into his little one-inch punch. But Uma Thurman's in a coffin. Like, she can't move at all. (laughs) So I just call total BS on that. So with Bruce Lee's punch... And that's the only thing in that movie that wasn't realistic, right? right? (laughs) Everything else is totally dead on. Be somebody, baby. Yeah. Uh, When uh, Bruce Lee does that one-inch punch, he... um, and you say he lunges forward a little bit? Yeah. What you're seeing right there from that lunge to the point where he's broken through the board um, is actually a sequence. They figured out uh-huh. it's a sequence of muscle movements to where he starts out generating energy yeah. or force through his huge, through the big muscles in his legs. Yeah. And then moves them up through his hips. By, and then twists his torso mm-hmm. and then basically shoots it out of his arm. It's crazy. So basically he's he's generating a tremendous amount of force and power in his legs and directing it up through his body and out his arm and then shooting his, his hand an inch out. Yeah. And all of that force that's been generated by his muscles is focused right onto his little knuckles uh-huh. and it goes right through a board. It's it's pretty awesome. Like someone should animate that uh like the the energy of that from the who knows from his little toes all the way up it seems like every part of his body is going into that tiny little area. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. And they in this article that was on Popular Science they figured out that yes the the muscles definitely count like yeah. somebody who didn't have these muscles wouldn't be able to do this. But even more important was um, the white matter, yeah, the 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 material that connects neurons that transfers energy uh-huh. or not energy information, yeah. between your brain cells, um, because the timing that was required to fully focus this force yeah. in this perfect sequence over this very short period of time took a lot of white matter, yeah, and uh, Bruce Lee must have had that stuff in Aces, yeah, he was awesome, man. Those movies are still so great. Uh, the other thing Bruce Lee's doing there is following through, which is huge in, uh, in karate. What's it called with the, the breaking of the boards that has its own name? It is called Tameshi Wari. Yes. And that's when you see people breaking bricks and boards and things like that. Uh, it's a demonstration of force, but what Bruce Lee's doing there is he's following through. He's not looking at that board. He is imagining punching through to Utah, you know? Like at some point well beyond that board, Mm -hmm. because humans have an instinct if you're going to punch a wall, even if you're super angry, you're going to hesitate. You may not even realize it right before you punch your fist into that brick wall out of anger. You may not even know it. You're going to be hesitation, uh, hesitating because you had that hesitation instinct. Yeah. So it's called self-preservation. Yeah. And karate basically trains you to get past that and through breathing in and out. Remember Karate Kid again. Yeah. It's all about the breathing. Breathing out when you're uh, releasing that punch and following through, 
you are not punching that board. You are punching two feet beyond that board. Yeah, the board just happens to be in the way. Yep. And the board is sorry it got in the way. That's right. So that's offense. Basically, you're you're learning to focus your energy um, into punches and kicks. Yeah. Learning how to um, lower the surface area of the point of contact mm-hmm. and just basically becoming an explosive force of the universe. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> that's the first part. The second part is defense, learning to take your opponent's energy and use it against them. Yeah. And this is a very important part of karate as well. Yeah, and it also has to do with physics because we're talking about momentum, which is uh, obviously a product of mass and velocity, but also of direction. Yeah. So um, let's say you are a brick wall and your opponent's fist is a car. If they drive straight into you, it's going to hurt. Uh, let's say you're a guide rail on a highway and the car is driving down the highway and sideswipes you. It's going to hurt a lot less. Way less. And that's the whole basic premise of karate defense is to try and angle yourself to deflect as much of that blow as possible yeah. at a different angle yes. and not take it straight on. You want to deflect their, the momentum of the force of their punch or kick. Yes. And apparently you use your arms... Um, I, I've seen people like use their legs to deflect blows, but this article makes it sound like you just use your arms in karate. Daniel San uses legs. Yeah, it makes sense that you would use your legs. Yeah, because that was uh, <clears throat> which one was the training thing was the legs. I don't know. Uh, was it the crane kick training? No, because he had already uh, had something. Let's see. He waxed on. He waxed off. Right. He washed the car. Yeah, you know, that was the cars. He painted up and down. He had to do the windmill on the refrigerator box. He sanded the floor. No, I don't think he used kicks. He defended the kicks with his hands. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, so then that's the premise of karate. It's like when you defend yourself against blows, whether it's a kick or a punch, in defense you're using your arms the whole time. And uh, like we said, you're you're deflecting it. So you're forcing this um, the momentum of this punch off of yourself at an angle. There's another thing you can do with momentum is when you... When you do deflect it, if somebody's going to punch you in the chest uh-huh. and they put everything into it, like they started this punch in their little toes and now it's coming at you in their big broken middle finger knuckle. Yeah, yeah they're old school. And you manage to sidestep slightly and, and deflect the blow downward. Yeah. They still have that momentum, the product of their mass times their velocity, uh-huh. which is speed and direction. And that direction is forward toward you. You and your chest are not there any longer. Yeah. So... This frequently results in your opponent losing his or her balance, and all of a sudden, what's opened up is, in karate circles, known as an opportunity for you to beat them badly. (laughs) That's right. Uh, You can throw them, even though they point out that that is more noted in judo and aikido. Uh, Throwing isn't central in karate, but um, I'm sure someone will throw someone if they need to. Sure. Like, use their own momentum and pull them past, and then get the old... Solar plexus blow. Yeah. You also could, um, yeah, you can punch them as, yeah. as, if, if you don't throw them, there's all, they're just open up. You can pin them on the ground. <clears throat> yeah. And then punch them. Yeah. What you don't want to do is, um, anything illegal. No. No. You don't do anything illegal. And your, um, your stance while you're doing this, the reason you're able to deflect these punches and kicks so well is because you're not standing there like a dumb frat boy in a bar. Saying, come on, man, yeah. bring it. Uh, you're standing to the side saying, come on, man, bring it. 
and you're going to have a smaller surface area for someone to punch. And you've got that one leg in front and the one leg behind. You got your center of gravity low, and um, you're you're just you're ready for all comers at that point, right? To deflect all those blows. Yeah. And again, all that is about being open and paying attention to your surroundings. Yeah, you're you're watching your opponent, and you're just looking for a, a, a chance to throw their momentum or deflect a, a punch or a kick or what have you. That's right. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about some of the ways because if a, a couple of karate experts um, displayed their full power skill, yeah, there would be two dead karate experts or at least one. <laughs> so over the years, because karate do isn't about like killing other people, no, it's uh, it's about showing your skills. They've developed some ways to do that, and we'll talk about those right after this. So, Josh, you mentioned um, two dead karate masters. Right. If they went full bore at one another, uh, there would be bloodshed on the mat. And that's not what you're after if you're a uh, a student of karate. You want to display your skill in a way that shows that you're very skilled, but not necessarily inflicting violence. Right. Because it's not about violence. It's you... about a lot of things for a lot of people. But <clears throat> never is it just about like... Learning violence, like learning how to beat someone up really good. Yeah. And like you said, it's a lot of different things to different people. Like some people go there for exercise. Sure. Building self-confidence. Yeah, or tuberculosis and uh, to help your health and your breathing. It apparently doesn't work for tuberculosis, though. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but I'll bet he had tons of confidence. Yeah, sure. You know? Sometimes just learning some self-defense, maybe. Right. Feeling feeling good about uh, walking through a... Uh, a dark alley at night, right? Alone, because the point is not beating up your opponent, but knowing or sh- making it apparent to other people that they don't want to mess with you in the first place. Because if they did, then it's trouble for them. And you do that, or you advance to different cues through um, different types of demonstrations, basically. Yeah. Well, first though, it's not to say that you can't like do some serious damage. It's just not the main purpose. Like the the famous uh, uh, Iken Hisatu, the one punch kill, is a thing in karate. Is it really? Yeah, and some people say like it's impossible, and some people say it is possible, and others say it's not even a real thing. It's just like a, a statement of attitude, uh, one fist, certain death, mm-hmm. and it's just sort of the mindset you should have. Mm-hmm. Like with this fist, I could kill you. But I'm not going to. But I'm not going to, because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> right. And I'm in a shopping center between a locksmith and a tax preparation center <laughs> in the valley in California. But I could kill them both if I wanted to. They even said shopping centers in this article, which I thought was funny, because it seems like they are always yeah. in a shopping center. I don't see very many like freestanding no. dojos. All right. So you mentioned the, the there's different ways to, to measure your skill and to flaunt your skill. Uh-huh. Uh, one, a combat si- uh, simulation called kata, and that is where um, you're basically fighting uh, ghost attackers that don't exist. Yeah, like anytime you see somebody going, ha, yeah, ha, yeah. and they're just doing it by themselves, <laughs> that's kata. Uh-huh. And the, the whole thing is um, like a, a prescribed rigmarole of moves. Yeah, that's you know? a good way to say it. And that's that's kata. That's something you would have to perform to move on to another belt. That's right. 
Uh, the next thing, if you actually want to get a live person involved and not just look like some crazy person fighting nobody, right. uh, you could practice uh, sparring or kumite. Uh, and there are four levels of that. Um, the first is footwork only. The second is shadow boxing. Uh, the third is blocking contact only. And the fourth is light contact. And the idea is it's a very controlled, supervised sparring session where you're not laying blows, raining blows upon one another. <laughs> you're pulling your punches, you're stopping them, or there's very light contact. You're probably wearing headgear, right. like some sort of protective gear. Yeah. And um, this is typical of what like a, a karate tournament will have in it. It's mostly kumite, right? Yeah. Or point sparring. Um and if, again, you've ever seen Karate Kid, mm-hmm. you'll notice that those matches are over pretty quick. Yeah. Th- I mean, this seemed pretty accurate for <clears throat> Karate. The Karate Kid movie did once I read this. Right. And vice versa. Yeah. Um, but with uh, point sparring, usually you'll have a one to three minute bout or fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whoever has the most points at the end wins. Or if you score a certain number of points, typically three. Yes. Within a, a, a fight, you're, you won. That's right. And the points are called Epons, I-P-P-O-N-S. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently, I didn't realize this, the uh, points are awarded not just on the the strikes that you're getting, but also the, the attitude in which you do it and your technique. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of judging you uh, on an aesthetic level as yeah. well, on a spiritual level. I mean, it makes sense. Like if your opponent walks into the back of your hand, you shouldn't get a point for that. <laughs> you know? That's true. And then, Chuck, there's um, the uh, Tameshi Wari, which we mentioned already, which is board breaking, yeah, block breaking, um, which is th- the real deal. Oh, yeah. It's not magic or illusion. Like, this person is breaking through a board. Yeah, I remember being a kid and people saying, like, you know, those boards are weakened. Right. It's not true. They just know what they're doing. They know how to exploit uh, the... The weakest parts of those boards, maybe, but they're, as the article puts it, they turn their appendages into natural chisels. Right. And um, they find out where the board might be weakest, and they punch right through it. Right through it. Or the ones that get me are the, with the, like the karate chop through the bricks. Man. I don't see how they do that stuff. Physics. It's crazy. And then you mentioned schools, man. Um, yes, they are mostly in shopping centers, but that doesn't mean they're not good. Yeah, while you're in, your mom's getting her taxes done next door while you're in there learning things. And, uh, if you want to look for a school, there are, if you're in a big city, you're going to have your choice of a lot of different kinds, um, catering to a wide range of students. Uh, if you're a little kid and you want to send your, or you're an adult and you want to send your little kid to one, there are lots of options, but send your kid to one that caters to kids. Don't take them to Cobra Kai. No. Or else they're going to turn out like Johnny. I actually found a, an article, I can't remember what it was called, but it was about how to tell if the, your martial arts group is toxic. Oh, really? Yeah, because the the author... Um, is there an opium den in the back? It's <laughs> <laughs> probably one dead giveaway. Yeah. But the author was saying, like, especially if you're new to martial arts, you may think, like, oh, you know, the sensei is supposed to be an abusive jerk. Right. Uh, who yells and screams all the time and, Not like, true. hits his students and stuff. Like, no, there's... Uh, there's, it's supposed to be a normal, respectful, calm environment. Yeah. You know, it's not supposed to just be like run by a megalomaniac or something like that. So if you have your <laughs> kid in that kind of school, you may want to get them out and get them into a different school. Yes. And v- wisely as well, they suggest, um, that it all be very open to the parents and there not be any 
private rooms for your children that are off limits. That's just good That's advice all around. same thing I said, no man. No matter what kind of school you're taking yeah. them to. Uh, if you're a lady, you might want to um, find a dojo that uh, maybe has a lady instructor or maybe um, – they they're just uh respectful toward women in general like again i think it's if you don't want your kids to go there you probably and because of some jerk megalomaniac you probably wouldn't want to go there as a lady either yeah or if there's like a jerk lady megalomaniac yeah i'm sure they're out there right there's got to be i'm sure that that guy had a wife and karate kid megalomania transcends gender it sure does um and then chuck we said that people go to take karate to um to gain self-confidence and to understand um, their body a little more. Yeah. But a lot of people find along the way, even if they're not going for this, um, they find that they, uh, what's called their center, the center of their key, uh-huh. their spiritual center, basically. Yeah. And um, in, in karate practice, uh, well, karate is linked to Zen Buddhism. Yeah. And one of the points of Zen Buddhism is that you can, uh, ful- you can attain spiritual fulfillment and enlightenment through everyday practices, including karate. Sure. Um, and that once you start to practice karate, once you start breathing, once you start paying attention to your surroundings at all times, mm-hmm. once you just find yourself in, in, in tune and in focus, you're going to find your ki, yeah. also known as chi, uh-huh. your spiritual energy. Oh, is that the same thing? I believe so. Okay. And where it sits in your body, and you'll be able to learn to raise or lower it, right. your energy, um, to attack right. or defend. Right. Yeah. And uh, if you're, like you said, if you're just going for, you know, up through a certain few levels, you may not hear much about that. But it definitely comes into play at the higher levels. Right. And how fast you work up those ranks and get those belts is sort of up to you, like anything else. If you go three or four days a week and you're super dedicated, you might zoom up four belts in the first few months. Yeah. And I think from that point, things start to slow down a little bit. Right. Uh, if you don't put much into it, it might take you a little longer. But from what I've read, people that get into it, like, really get into it. Yeah, and, and this article says for the average person, getting the black belt um, would take about three years. Yeah. If you were super athletic and talented and, and went, like, five days a week, it might take you 18 months. Right. But it's still going to be difficult and take yeah. you a little while. And it's a life pursuit. Yeah. Um, for a lot of people. Yeah, and and again, this article points out, get, getting to the highest belt is not necessarily the pursuit of karate. Right. Like the the point of karate, the pursuit of it is to find your center and to yeah feel self confident and get whatever you want out of it. Yeah, just understand the the mechanics of it. Uh, if you want to go to karate school to learn how to throw Japanese throwing stars, and <laughs> Kill someone with nunchucks. Yeah. You're probably out of luck. Um, there may be, you may can take like a nunchuck class or something, uh-huh. but, um, it's, it's not a typical thing to use weapons, uh, in the classes. Um, I actually saw that as a, a, one of the points of a school to avoid. Oh, uh, really? If they say they can teach you ninja, ninjutsu or yeah. make you a ninja, stay away. <laughs> I remember taking ninja training when I was a kid. Yeah, you had throwing stars, right? Kid, yeah. Um, it's, there is a funny, um, nunchuck uh video on the internet this just look up redneck nunchuck yeah and there's this guy in a living room and his i guess his mother is shooting him and he's demonstrating and he hits himself in the face oh and breaks his glasses and his reaction is priceless afterward he just gets really mad really fast and he starts to stomp off and you just hear the mom go like don't pitch a fit (laughs) 
It was really funny. Uh, even though I typically try to avoid anything that says fail. Yeah. Because those videos are just so dumb. Yeah. It's like the worst of the internet. I just hate that word. But, uh, redneck nunchuck fail was pretty good. <laughs> you got anything else? Uh, I have nothing else, sir. Um, did this make you want to try this in any way? It made me wish I'd stuck to Taekwondo a little more. Yeah. Um, just a minor regret. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I probably won't pursue karate. Yeah. Me neither. Um, but neat, though. hopefully there will be somebody out there who is inspired to give it a try because it is pretty awesome. Agreed. Uh, if you want to know more about karate, you can type that word, K-A-R-A-T-E, in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. It'll bring up this article. Since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this something about um, police interrogation. Um, hey, guys, wanted to write in and let you know how much I enjoy the podcast. Spoiler alert, a bunch. Hopefully I can also add something. Uh, I'm currently studying to be a paralegal, and we spend a lot of time learning about trial proceedings and what evidence is admissible. In court, during the episode on police interrogation, you mentioned the rates of convictions that were based solely on confessions. Courts in my state of Pennsylvania have to follow something called the Nanty Glow Rule. N-A-N-T-Y-G-L-O. Um, just ladies of wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, too. Uh, this rule states that motions for summary judgment cannot be based solely on depositions, or more specifically, the confessions therein. So basically, if a party has confessed, their confession alone isn't enough to convict them. Uh, the record, like other motives or affidavits filed with the court, would need to contain other evidence in order for the motion to be granted. Uh, if anyone confessed after being inter- interrogated, they might not be completely doomed if they're in Pennsylvania. Motions for summary judgment is a pretrial m- motion, so this rule wouldn't affect a case that had already made it to a trial with a jury, and I don't remember... This is only a rule in civil cases, or if it applies to criminal ones as well. I haven't heard of other states having a similar rule. Every few years, there will be editorials about how Nancy Glow is outdated. I know the name is outdated. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, and it needs to go, but as of this email, there hasn't been a case to overturn, so it's still binding. Anyway, really enjoy it. Hope this is informative. Uh, stuff you should know is the perfect thing to listen to while I'm knitting. And I always look forward to a new episode. And that is from Haley. Thanks, Haley. We appreciate that. In Pennsylvania. Have you seen the Glow, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling documentary? No. It's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. Is China in it? I don't think she was in Glow, was she? Oh, I don't know. I just That's the only female wrestler I could think of. No, 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 no. This is, I think, way before her time. Anyway, it's a it's a good good documentary. <laughs> Strongly recommended. I'll check it out. Uh, if you want to recommend a documentary or talk about an arcane law to Chuck and I, we are, can be reached at SYSK Podcast on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com slash stuff you should know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, check out our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. <laughs> For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 